Welcome to the Limitless Energy Podcast, and it's my pleasure today to introduce my guest, Mike Postel, founder and president of Conexa Energy. Uh, it's, it's basically a remote power company based out of Texas with a focus on solar. Welcome. Thank you. So you're an interesting guest because in terms of solar energy, uh, you've been doing this for, for quite some time. When did you start the company? So we've been around since 2006. 2006. And before that, were you involved in solar projects at all? Uh, actually, it began in 2006 for us, yeah. Okay, in Texas. In Texas. So what was the solar industry like in Texas at the time? I think 2006 was a little bit uh, early for 2008 whenever I feel like it really started you know, expanding rapidly. So in 2006, we were using it to uh, power cameras. I had an IT company. And we were doing projects in remote areas, construction sites, things like that. And we needed power. So that's how I got into it, is learning about how to power these devices. And 2008 came, and that's whenever, you know, there was a, just a lot of uh, expansion of solar, uh, including us. And we spent our time, a little bit of time, you know, in some of the traditional solar applications like residential, commercial, whatnot. But ultimately, it just ended back to more on the industrial side where we're powering electronics in remote areas. What was it about yeah. 2008 in Texas? In, or was it yeah. sort of a national thing or a was it A national thing, yeah. Okay. Big go Green movement uh, where you just had a lot of money and investment in, in the green sector. And maybe the decrease in cost in solar as well had yeah. something to yeah. do with it. It was around that time we were talking uh, – I don't know, five, six dollars a watt. Used to be, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and after that, it sort of dropped pretty rapidly to about a dollar a watt, right? It did, yeah. Yeah, the solar has been coming down, I would say, um, you know, consistently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you're with your early projects, what fraction of them were solar when it came to remote power? So I would say at the beginning, all of them. Okay. And we've, over the years, working with different industrial groups, have expanded our line of offerings to be outside of solar mm -hmm. to some degree. But I say our core product is still solar, but at the beginning it was all solar. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we were doing, um, you know, some, some niche areas of solar, like uh, solar water pumping applications. Um, we did a little bit of work in wind turbines at one point, but ultimately battery-based solar has is, is been our core product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about your background a little bit, and this is this is nice for me because you're an Aggie, yep. Texas A&M Aggie. Um, my first faculty job was teaching at Texas A&M. Um, I was there 01 to 03 about, and when were you there? Yeah. 2000 to 2004. Okay, that's yeah. awesome. So we did we did overlap. We did. Um, I don't I don't know if. You ever saw my band at Fitzwillies? I might have. Yeah, I yeah. hope I hope so. We were yeah. pretty good. We were pretty. We were pretty rocking band um, back in the early two thousands. But um, uh, what was your major? Ag economics. Ag economics yeah. is that relevant to what you're doing now, or a bit of a stretch? <clears throat> well, the economics part, I would say, mm -hmm. uh, we do service some of the ag industry, not a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I would say the economics part for sure. And how did you like A and M? Oh, I, I loved A and M. You know. Um, from being from Houston originally, it was a really common place to go, and I enjoyed my stay there and uh, the community around it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a fun place to be. Yeah, it's very much a college town. Actually, it's really it's, different now, isn't it? I th yeah, it is. Going back there is completely different. Mm -hmm. And well, you're based in Austin, right? Are you? No, no, you're outside Austin. Yeah, so our facility is based out of I would say Austin, San Antonio, but more mm -hmm. San Antonio and mm -hmm. uh, the 
Texas wine country and a little town called Comfort, which is up in the hills. Yeah, west of San Antonio on uh, Interstate 10. Mm-hmm. And uh, I live in Austin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you get any... You get any crap for a being an Aggie? Bit, yeah, 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 a little bit. <laughs> uh, so, so as you graduated um, in ag economics, you uh, you said you your family was in the steel business. Yes, is that where you started your career? I did. I worked with them, you know, here and there, different different types of jobs. Um, growing up, mm-hmm. really, that's all we knew is the steel business. And yeah. how did that evolve into what you're doing now? So, I would say business and being an entrepreneur is in our blood. It's what we've just been raised with. So I went to A&M. I tried to escape it uh, briefly by being a pilot. So out of A&M, I was a helicopter instructor and flew airplanes. Uh, eventually just ended up opening an IT company and it evolved to what we have now. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I tried to escape it. It wasn't successful. So you, as an IT IT professional, you found the need for remote power, and so you addressed it with your entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, there's a lot of devices even more now than there was back then with the IoT movement. But mm-hmm. uh, we're launching electronics, you know, in, in every category, everywhere. And so there's a need to power them easily, to have it, uh, to have these devices easily deployed. And so that's what I would say the core of what we do is we enable the rapid deployment of those rapid and easy deployment of electronics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you get the company off the ground? How'd you finance it? At the beginning, it luckily wasn't, didn't require a lot of capital. Mm-hmm. You know, it started IT, you know, that was, um, you know, it, it wasn't like, uh, you know, hardcore manufacturing or anything like that. So just began and let it evolve over time. And of course, when we got into more rapid growth, uh, financing it became harder, you know, still as we're in a growth phase, but yeah, it is, I would say natural evolution on it. How have your, how has your customer base evolved over the years? It's, you do a lot of oil and gas now, but it, we, we traditionally that... have done a lot of oil and gas and we still do. Okay. Um, we have been in the commercial sector in recent years. I'd say that we're, um, we're kind of following the trends. Uh, we do a lot of the security industry now. Uh, so really anything that's electronics deployed out to remote areas or anything that's portable that needs to be moved around, we're primary power using solar. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I would say traditionally it was oil and gas and it still is a lot of oil and gas. We are expanding in oil and gas, but it's a lot of other ones as well. And are you mainly in Texas or national? So we ship nationwide and worldwide, but we're based out of Texas only. Yeah. Is, is most your business in Texas? We have a lot of business in Texas, but we do ship regularly nationwide, mm-hmm. I would say. And then depending on the year, it might be worldwide, um, more or less frequent. Over the last 16 years that you've been doing this then, how has the industry evolved? It's definitely changed. Well, s- solar has come down in price a lot, mm-hmm. and that's changed a lot of things. Um, I would say that in recent years, there's been uh, a big you know, interest in storage, you know, we've been a battery-based storage, you know, solar uh, since the beginning. All of our solar power systems generally are battery-based. And so, but there does seem to be a pretty heightened uh, interest in that area nowadays. And with the IoT movement where everything connects to the cloud, as well as AI coming into, you know, the public's grasp uh, at the edge, at these sites where, you know, the, the systems are becoming smarter. There's a need for more and more power. And so I would say that it's been increasing, you know, rapidly. 
So more power is really needed because of yeah. the increased computational yeah. requirements. Exactly. Yeah. Back in probably the the old days, um, there wasn't as much going on, and now there's a lot more going on, and there's going to be even more going on at the ed- what we call the edge, which is mm-hmm. right at the site. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That the edge. That's funny because that's kind of a new term uh, for the grid, the grid edge, which yep. is at the the residential level. That's the edge of the grid. But you're actually at the you're off grid and you're at <clears> the edge in a in, in a remote uh, fashion. Yeah, yeah, and I would use the term edge versus the cloud. You know, where where are the um, where's that uh, processing taking place? You know. Um, ah, I see. Yeah. So okay, so grid edge in terms of the we're, we're, in terms of the grid edge, we're talking about power, but you're talking about where the computations actually happen. Yeah. So you have AI computations happening remote. Exactly. Yeah. So let's, in, let's say you have an of industrial. The cloud. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. If you had uh, say an industrial process site going on, whether it be uh, oil and gas, anything. Um, there's more and more automation happening at that site. Mm-hmm. And so th- those decisions are being made, what we call at the edge. And then there's other decisions that are be made in the cloud. So that's where you get your, your ah, communications. Got made. it. Yep. Okay. And so we're going to power the computers at the site as well as the communications equipment to get the, um, the data back to the cloud. Okay. So it's important that the, the computations be completed and the decisions be made without having to rely on a cloud. Is it still connected to a cloud? Yes, generally. um, Some people have private networks and they're going back to their private servers. Um, I'd say that it seems like most people are really migrating to the cloud, but that's exactly right. That's one of the considerations is if that link fails, can you still run the site? And in which case that needs to be done at the edge. There are certain things that, that cloud power is better at looking at Mm-hmm. Um, and coming up with you know more macro conclusions on the data sets. Sure, but when yeah. you need speed, that has to be done at the edge. It, yeah, I would say in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What are the industries? Because you've done a lot of oil and gas. You said what? What is it specific there that would they would require so much computational capabilities there? On site. L- looking at you know these these systems are looking at more and more uh, data points, more and more sensors, and then coming up with conclusions to make it more run just more efficient you know and also try to predict problems that might be coming up on the site to mm-hmm. avoid maybe a shutdown in the oil and gas case so um, mm-hmm. things of that nature is that specific to oil and gas or is it common in other industries as well I think it's it's um, there's a lot that can go wrong in oil and gas so I think it's probably you know pretty important there but other industries as well Mm-hmm. There's a, uh, a lot of what we do um, is increasing in ag. There's a lot of ag tech coming out that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just AI is changing things and uh, definitely the future. But uh, having that done at the site, we enable that to happen. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're facilitating remote AI. I didn't realize that that's actually – that's pretty – that's an interesting niche, actually. This is, this is power specifically for these – uh, power-hungry IT applications, yeah. and your background is was running an IT company. So that's yeah. that's really what's evolved is the the computational capabilities and the extra power that's required. Yep. And it's being a, it's being applied to these remote industries like like uh, oil and gas. That's really interesting. How how do you see this evolving in the future? Is this going to be become more prevalent for other sort of remote industries? I think so. You know we focus on remote and portable in general. And so there, there definitely is an um, increasing trend towards more and more devices everywhere, really, 
we focus on the remote part about it, but that this IoT movement has been uh, putting pieces of electronics, whether they're big or small, you know, almost everywhere. It's like, you know, you say you had a refrigerator, now you have a smart refrigerator, it connects to the cloud. So we're seeing that trend, you know, across the board uh, and across the industries. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Texas and the renewable energy industry in Texas, which is, which is enormous. Texas has an enormous amount of solar and wind. Um, how, how has the state of Texas led the way in, in this area? Yeah, well, we have a lot of sun, and uh, <laughs> that's requirement yeah, number one. Yeah, ironically, we do have so we have a lot of oil and gas companies, and uh, ironically, solar I think was um, you know kind of I I, th I feel like you know back in the old days uh, we have a, a guy that's worked for me for a long time, Alex Berg, and uh, it, it was a lot of oil and gas companies back in the day, you know, in the old school solar. So they've been doing it a long time. So I, I feel like there's been a lot of solar in Texas before it was cool, mm -hmm. if you will. But, yeah, we have a, a lot of solar farms going in. Um, of course, there's a, a big interest in renewables. We have a great state for it. So mm -hmm. you have a lot of people talking about it as well. Well, generally, folks think about solar and wind as replacement for oil and gas, right? So that we use more renewable energy, we stop burning fossil fuels. But in this way, you're actually facilitating... I mean, we still need fossil fuels, right? I mean, there's, that's that's not going away uh, ever completely. But it is ironic that you actually do need more renewable energy and remote energy in order to even facilitate the industry. Yeah, is that yeah. is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think it is. You know, you have a lot of uh, electronics that are just doing more and more jobs, and it's just very. What we do, especially in our little small solar world, is. Uh, we enable those electronics in those remote areas. Mm -hmm. And without solar, there'd be a, a huge reduction in the amount of uh, electronics you could deploy to do these various jobs. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, well, that's, that's fascinating. Um, let's talk about uh, growing a company the way you have. So you, you started the company, you own the company, you're 16 years into it, you've been growing dramatically for, for some time now. Um, when you first started, is this where you knew it was going? No, for okay. sure not. Where, where, did, where did you see it headed? It was hard to say. Back then, you know, I felt like the um, Go Green movement was in its infancy, and it was hard to tell where it was going. You know, it was evolving quickly. I felt like we evolved uh, kind of in parallel with it, um, not in the mainstream solar. We've always been in, in the... This. That's the thing. You're not really the go green movement. You're the remote power, remote computational yeah. movement. Yeah, it, maybe a little bit of both. Uh -huh. you know? Yeah, yeah. So we're so we're using the sun to primary power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where did you see it headed? Where did you think that you would be? It, at this it was point? really hard to see where this was all going at the time. Um, and I would say, just over the years, it, just evolution caused us to, you know. This situation happens, this customer comes along and, and you kind of end up just following kind of your path in a way. Uh, and that's how we ended up here. But I couldn't have predicted it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I ask because in my case, I had no intentions or no idea. I just, you know, had a cool technology. I wanted yep. to start a company around it. And, you know, here we are now. And it's not anywhere I'd, I'd I never thought I'd be at this point. Sure. Um, and of course, the path to get to this point is sometimes fun, sometimes awful and painful, both. both. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about uh, your 
evolution from from starting the company to to now running this pretty pretty big company um what what are the things that you loved about it what are the things you hated about it i'm talking from a just an entrepreneur yeah. you know going through this process well there's there's definitely different stages where you know as as the founder you do different uh jobs you know at the beginning you're more hands-on and as you grow one of the tricky things is is doing the same thing through these systems that have to be put into place and this processes and that stuff takes a, a little bit of time and effort to develop, and it's, it's tricky to do, to to, provo- to to make the time to do it and the resources to do it. Um, but as you grow, the processes, as we've uh, kind of learned lessons in blood, are critical. You know, systems are critical. And so I think, uh, at least for me as an entrepreneur, is I have to evolve. And, you know, growth is, growth can be, you know, painful. Uh, it can be tricky to navigate. And, me as a person, as a leader, I have to evolve with it, and so a lot of lot of new lessons to <laughs> learn all the time. Right, the systems yeah. have to evolve, the people have to the evolve. Have so to you evolve, evolve yeah. but there are people that actually don't, right? And there yeah. sometimes you, the team you go in with isn't the team you end up with right. just because of the evolution of the company. Yep. So that yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Um, well, let's let's talk about batteries now. Sure. Because the batteries are a big part of what you guys are doing, and we're sitting here because we make batteries and you use batteries. So, so let's let's talk about the future of batteries. And mm. w- obviously, you've done a lot of lead acid systems, and there is, I would say, relatively even now in its infancy, a movement from lead acid to lithium. Is that is that the right way to say it for today? I feel like there is, yeah. It's still in its infancy. It's, we still yeah. see a ton of lead acid systems out there. There's definitely interest by, I think, all parties. Everybody wants to talk about it, know about it, you know. Um, so we are seeing that's driving a lot of conversations. Yeah. For these stationary installations as opposed to mobile installations, weight is less important, right? Generally, yes. Generally. Yeah. What are... What do you see as the differences that lithium brings that can really make these systems better? I think the overall cost, the lifetime cost of the mm-hmm. product, uh, you know, for us specializing in remote areas to send a crew to a job site can be quite costly. Um, sometimes it's two people in a truck. Um, some systems are helicoptered on top of a mountain. So um, less time uh, before you have to do any maintenance or replacement is uh, is is a pretty big deal for us. So you service these systems as well. We don't. We don't personally uh, or company service them. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, that's integrators in the field. But okay. But uh, but by you're selecting the battery that goes into it, or is it mainly the customer that selects the battery? So we generally make recommendations mm-hmm. and um, you know the pros and cons of each, and let right. the customer decide. Yeah. So um, how much system design do you guys do? A lot. Yeah. Every project gets system designed, mm-hmm. so we're putting our eyes on it, running it through our calculations, and um, making sure that the what we say it's going to do, it will do. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Well, um, I will end by saying we look forward to working closely with you in the future. Yeah. And thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. Mike Postel connects energy. Thank you for joining the podcast today and be sure to subscribe on any of your favorite listening platforms.